This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state education commissioner will appeal the ruling of a circuit judge who says Richard Corcoran's emergency order forcing schools to reopen classrooms or lose money violates the state constitution. The president of the teachers union says they expected nothing less from a political appointee with no actual experience running a school. A commissioner of education who has zero years of experience, never taught in our classrooms, he's never been an administrator, he's never been a school board chair. The union is calling on Commissioner Corcoran to drop the appeal and work with them to make schools safe before they reopen. But anyone who has followed Corcoran's political career knows that's highly unlikely. Corky thrives on confrontation. As Republicans hold their virtual convention, Democrats hold virtual news conferences to denounce the president and his allies, starting with the COVID crisis and Florida's failed unemployment system. Our residents across Florida did their part. They stayed home, they um, social distanced, they kept in isolation, and the state failed to do its part, which was have your back and make sure that you could pay your bills. People are still waiting for payments from March and April. The woman who runs the agency that regulates health care facilities in Florida says the COVID crisis is subsiding at nursing homes and long-term care facilities for the elderly. Today I can tell you that we've had a 51% reduction in the number of individuals who are currently hospitalized for COVID, uh, a 29% reduction uh, today in the number of residents who are positive. Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear Congressman Matt Gates at the Republican National Convention. He's best known as a diehard supporter of Donald Trump who delights in his role as a provocateur and media troll. In other words, a Florida man. As a Florida man, I watch our rockets routinely send the brightest beyond the heavens with our flag and our hope. There are few among us who would confess to being Florida man, but then again, Matt Gates is a unique individual. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a different Florida man, plus a Florida woman accused of attacking her man because he was looking at porn. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, August 26th. The Florida Department of Health reports 2,673 newly confirmed cases of COVID-19. That brings the state's known total to 605,502. There were also 183 newly reported fatalities. The statewide death toll has reached 10,717. After losing in circuit court, the state has filed a formal notice of appeal of a judge's ruling that the Florida Department of Education and Commissioner Richard Corcoran violated the state constitution by ordering schools to reopen by the end of the month or forfeit their funding. The state may have lost the case, but attorney Ron Meyer with the Florida Education Association says they get an automatic stay as soon as they appeal. And what that means is the effect of the order is, uh, is stayed. It doesn't take effect. Uh, that puts us in the position of going back to Judge Dodson and asking him to lift the automatic stay. And uh, if he does so, the order goes back into play. If he, does, uh, if he doesn't do so, or if he does so, the first district court of appeal where this appeal would go also gets an opportunity to weigh in. Now, I know that Commissioner Corcoran has, has predicted a 100% victory at the appellate court level. I suspect that some of the independent uh, jurists who sit at the First District Court of Appeal may take issue with that. And those judges, by the way, are also working remotely due to COVID-19 based upon their local decision making. It would be nice if instead of just automatically knee-jerking an appeal, the state of Florida once again looked at the realities here and said, all we're asking 
is that local school districts who are elected to serve their local communities be empowered to make safety and health decisions for the children and staff working in their public schools. That's all we're asking. That's all the order when winnowed down to its essentials really does. And uh, there's no reason to appeal that. School safety is a paramount duty of the state of Florida. Uh, the, the, the Department of Education really ought to say enough's enough and uh, take us up on our uh, opportunity to talk. Uh, we've offered uh, and spent a day mediating previously. That's still on the table. Uh, we should resolve these issues. We shouldn't be uh, just spending uh, resources fighting one another when the, what's hanging in the balance is the, the safety of, of children and staff. Florida Education Association President Frederick Ingram says Commissioner Corcoran's decision to appeal is especially galling because he never worked in education before becoming a bureaucrat. We have a governor who has proclaimed this is the year of the teacher. We also have a commissioner of education who has zero years of experience. Today we wrote a lesson plan and that lesson plan simply said, let's do this with health and safety. Let's do this with what's required to keep our children safe. Mr. Corcoran may not know about that because he's never taught in our classrooms. He's never been an administrator. He's never been a school board chair. We want to be guided by science. We want to be alive. We want to be healthy. And we, are, we care about the health of our students. Last year, we started the school year with over 3,000 classrooms that did not have a certified teacher. We came into this year with, with, a, with a crisis, a teacher shortage crisis. We can only expect that to get worse, worse with this kind of treatment in the year of the teacher, so says our, our governor. Let's do better. But anyone who knows Richard Corcoran knows there is no way in hell he's going to back down. He's had an adversarial relationship with the teachers union dating back to his days as a staffer in the Florida House. And frankly, Corky relishes a good fight, even when lives are on the line. Speaking of COVID, the governor had nothing to say about it Tuesday, at least not in public. But Mary Mayhew at the Agency for Healthcare Administration says there is good news from the nursing homes and long-term care facilities of Florida. We've made incredible progress. Uh, today, I can tell you that we've had a 51% reduction in the number of individuals who are currently hospitalized for COVID, uh, a 29% reduction uh, today in the number of residents who are positive, a 42% reduction in the number of staff who are today uh, positive staff in our long-term care facilities. So, and I know Dr. Ripkes, you have a host of other measures that you could talk to us about that are all painting a picture uh, of the progress that the state has made, the trends that we experience today. Certainly one of the most um, compelling of those would be the dramatic drop in the number of individuals coming into our emergency uh, departments with any COVID-like symptoms, um, a real um, uh, early indicator. So we're all very pleased, which has created a strong foundation for us uh, to have this incredibly important uh, conversation and to arrive at a plan. Over the last 14 days, since August 11th, we have 83.4% of our nursing homes and assisted living facilities and intermediate care facilities that have not had any cases over 14 days. So we have a significant number. This is, I think, the, the total number there is 3,280 facilities mm. out of the 3,925 reporting that have not had any cases over 14 days. 
Mayhew spoke during a video conference of the task force on reopening long-term care facilities. They've been off limits to visitors since March, and the governor wants to find some way to let people see their loved ones again. But it's tricky. Seniors face the greatest danger from the virus, and more than 4,400 residents and staffers in long-term care have been killed by COVID in Florida. Will Florida's failed unemployment system come back to haunt the GOP in November? Democrats are certainly hoping that's the case. State Representative Jennifer Webb of St. Petersburg says Floridians did their part to try to stop the spread of COVID, but the state did not. The state asked people to stay home, and they required that you stay home. You did not lose your jobs. You knew exactly where your jobs were. The governor said you cannot go to the jobs for the health and safety of our community, and you did your part. Families across Florida and our residents across Florida did their part. They stayed home. They um, social distanced. They kept in isolation. And the state failed to do its part, which was have your back and make sure that you could pay your bills. People are still waiting for payments from March and April. That's unconscionable. And it has lasting devastating effects, especially as we roll into um, you know, a, a relaxation of the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures, and as um, utility companies begin turning off people's power, water, the like. And so now more than ever, we need to make sure that people are getting paid, and and we need to make sure that Congress is stepping up. I mean, we should have passed that um, the, the second CARES package and or the HEROES package, and it made sure that our families have what they need, and that our small business owners have what they need. St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman says the governor and the president both fumbled the ball during the COVID crisis, leaving it up to local officials to make the hard decisions. Obviously, uh, what's happened uh, and what we're all dealing with with this pandemic is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. Uh, and this is really a time when leadership matters. This is when having uh, a national leader, a president, uh, who speaks with a clear, concise message who is looking out for the for the residents in this country, the citizens in this country, and the same thing with the governor um, is is more important than it's ever been in any of our lifetimes. And and what's uh, been apparent to me is is uh, we have suffered from that lack of leadership, and it has forced uh, those of us uh, who are in positions uh, like I am as a mayor to have to step up to do things to try and make sure. Uh, that the residents of my community are assisted to the to the extent and the degree that we could. What we knew is is that uh, the expectation that help and assistance for our residents, for our business community, from Tallahassee and from Washington, probably wasn't going to come anytime soon. Uh, and if it did, it probably wasn't going to be nearly enough. Uh, and so we ended up uh, creating something we call the Fighting Chance Fund to help our small businesses, uh, to help in particular the food and uh, bar service industry, the tourist industry, our service industry, our home-based businesses, which really are the backbone of our community, uh, to try and help those businesses survive and stay alive. And for those folks who were laid off, who lost their job, to try and get them some dollars quickly, because again, what we knew was uh, first off, in the state of Florida, our unemployment compensation system is a mess. Uh, it was uh, it started with Governor Scott, uh, who now is our senator and has been of, of very little help to us. Uh, and it didn't improve under uh, our current governor, DeSantis. Uh, and so we knew getting funds quickly into people's hands was probably not going to happen. Uh, and certainly our president didn't seem to be in any hurry. 
um, to um, make sure that the, the folks in our community, uh, in my city and around this country, were taken care of with assistance. Mayor Kreisman isn't the only Democrat trash-talking U.S. Senator Rick Scott over the unemployment system that was created when he was governor. Pinellas County School Board member Renee Flowers says he still owes an explanation for the meltdown that kept people from getting unemployment during the COVID crisis. We're looking at more than 3.5 million Floridians that have filed those jobless claims since mid-March and still have not received a check, some of them. And we look at those numbers, um, we know that we need to do something. And it's just so disappointing to know that under uh, then Governor Scott, um, a system was paid for uh, that didn't work and they knew it didn't work. And to have the current governor talk about the fact that he recognizes the system doesn't work, but has awarded a contract to the very same company for a system that they've all known is not working to the advantage of the residents here in our community. When we look at our hotel and food service industries that have been severely impacted, tourism is a major funding driver in the state of Florida. And we look at the number of individuals that no longer have employment because they work in the hotel and motel industry. Um, and that's just simply alarming. And, and it reaches even further because the students of those individuals attend our schools. And so um, I truly understand uh, and recognize fully that um, a change in leadership uh, is well overdue. One other note about our junior senator in Washington, the Congressional Integrity Project just released a new report saying Rick Scott's net worth increased by $55 million during his first year in the Senate. The director of the Integrity Project says, quote, in Tallahassee and Washington, Scott has systematically used his position to enrich himself, his wife, daughter, and other family members, all at the expense of the people he is supposed to be serving, unquote. Sounds like we need a deep dive on this, and soon. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, a heaping helping of political red meat from the GOP convention with the help of our favorite congressman from Okaloosa County. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local health care provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise, where we just can't get enough of Okaloosa County Congressman Matt Gates. He was a featured speaker on day one of the Republican National Convention, and hyperbole doesn't even begin to describe it. In the world according to Gates, a win by Joe Biden would be the end of America. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. I'm speaking to you from an auditorium emptier than Joe Biden's daily schedule. But we are a nation of full hearts and clear minds. We see the choice clearly, strength or weakness, energy or confusion, success or failure. President Trump is the first president since Reagan not to start a new war. Biden has foolishly cheerled decades of war without winning, without end. President Trump knows we are strongest when we fight hardest, not in distant deserts, but for our fellow Americans. We must fight to save America now, or we may lose her forever. Joe Biden might not even notice. 
Settle for Biden. That's the hashtag promoted by AOC and the socialists. The Woketopians will settle for Biden because they will make him an extra in a movie written, produced, and directed by others. It's a horror film, really. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. And the police aren't coming when you call. In Democrat-run cities, they're already being defunded, disbanded. Blaming our best and allowing society's worst? That's the story they write in Hollywood. That's if the lights even stay on in California anymore. A state that cannot keep power running for its own people should not send its junior senator to be vice president. They used to write only in fiction, but nightmares are becoming real. Cops killed, children shot. At the Democrat convention, they say, if you vote against Trump, it will all stop. Appeasement is never a winning strategy. No, we won't settle for violence in our neighborhoods or at our border. We won't settle for decades of bad decisions by basement-dwelling Joe Biden. We settle a continent. We know that the frontier, the horizon, even the stars belong to us. Donald Trump, like all builders, is a visionary. That which is built in the mind is even more powerful than the brick and mortar that holds it together. First comes the mind, then the making. First comes the vision than the work. Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson are immortal precisely because of the pull they have on our imagination. You cannot cancel a culture that loves its heroes. The dangerous left need America to be weaker to accomplish their goal of replacing her. We know that to make America great again, we must first make something of ourselves. That is the meaning of true strength. My great-grandfather was a railroad man, as a Florida man, I watch our rockets routinely send the brightest beyond the heavens with our flag and our hope. America is the greatest country that has ever existed. Don't let any celebrity, athlete, or politician tell you otherwise. President Trump sometimes raises his voice and a ruckus. He knows that's what it takes to raise an army of patriots who love America and will protect her. We must win this election if we cherish our country as much as we should. For there is no place to run, no refuge for freedom should we fail. America is not just an idea or a constitution. It is our home. We must protect our home with unbreakable made-in-America strength. Strength I see every day in President Donald Trump. Matt Gates has always been a fiery kind of guy, and he gets a lot of that from his dad, former state senator Don Gates. Matt served in the Florida House when Don was in the Senate. Together, they were known as the Gates of Hell. Your calendar of political events starts at 8 in the morning when the Board of Pharmacy meets in a conference call. The Elections Commission meets at 8.30. A DOT task force working on plans to extend the Florida Turnpike from Wildwood to the Suncoast Parkway is online at 9. The Board of Massage Therapy meets by conference call at 9. The Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. And Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy takes part in an online call at 11 with the Florida LGBTQ and Democratic Caucus. And it's time once again for the ongoing saga of Florida Man, where gender doesn't really matter. A Florida woman spent the night in the Marion County Jail after punching her man for watching porn. The victim told deputies he got into a heated argument with 36-year-old Danielle Witt because he made toast instead of rolls for breakfast. He left the room to end the argument, but she came looking for him, and the guy was watching a video on his phone when she found him. Deputies say she hit him repeatedly and kicked him in the crotch for good measure. 
Finally today, a Florida man who was shot in the leg is arrested after admitting he lied to deputies. 28-year-old Gordon Wood of Westville in Holmes County told officers he and his girl were at a boat ramp when two black men tried to rob him and shot him in the leg. But when officers checked his cell phone, they found pictures of Wood holding the same type of gun he said was used by the attackers. When confronted with those pictures, he confessed, admitting he shot himself accidentally and tossed the gun in the river. Wood is charged with making a false report, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and tampering with evidence. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.